Welcome to Isidka. My name is Amina Isid, and join me as I take you on a journey to explore identity, culture, and belonging. Take a seat as I take you through time, space, and various perspectives of cultural identity. Stay tuned to see where the journey will take us today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Isidka. It is July. I am sweltering. It is so hot. It feels honestly like being back home. And between that and the smokiness, like this, so the smoke that happened last month, or yeah, last June, um, this past June, the smokiness also reminded me of Hargeisa. And I literally, there, I have, as a, <laughs> the nostalgic person that I am, there's certain scents that are really attached to certain places for me. And I guess my Hargeisa scent is definitely smokiness, like the smokiness of the charcoal when cooking, um, when making shah, and then like they burn garbage outside as well. So like the air, especially at times, feels a bit and smells a bit smoky. And I was so homesick all June. I was like, ah. Um, But moving on, now this heat also reminds me of like days where it would be so hot that I would literally shower multiple times a day. And one time I went to my Javier's house and she had an outdoor shower situation and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember like as soon as I would pour the water on myself, the second it hit my skin, it was already dry. Like the water had dissipated. It was so, it was that hot. Like, and I think there was a drought. It was that first summer and there was a drought that year. Um, and so that's kind of what it feels like, except there's no like letting up of like the temperature, even though like we have air condition and stuff like that. That also just is like noisy and distracting. So I'm like, I don't really like need air condition. So... Oh, climate change is really killing us, I guess, more than anything. But I hope everyone listening is doing well, that you're enjoying your summer. Um, Isidka season four, hardly home, always repping. And it really took me a while to kind of get to this point of just owning being in the diaspora and um, accepting the connection or just accepting the connection for what it was. When I first started going back home to the country, to the homeland, I thought that that was the main connection that was going to keep um, me connected. Like, kind of talked about, like, I talked on the first episode. But now I'm just, and I kind of, like, always reiterate this a little bit throughout this podcast. But now in hindsight, um, and being a bit older, being a bit more disconnected, and also just kind of even seeing the person that I am now, um, I'm like, I've always been connected. It just looks in a way, like, the, you know, that I curated myself or that I, you know. Um, and it's really interesting because a friend of mine, I feel like we met at, at very different points. They were getting used to being in the diaspora and I was getting used to going back home and kind of building that connection to the homeland. And at that time, at that age, rather, and honestly, alhamdulillah for growing up. I'm going to say this every single episode, but if anybody's listening and they're in their 20s or late teens or whatever, or I guess any decade, honestly, but life will move on and things. And whatever is your biggest issue right now in life or that you think that your life should have been this specific way, there's always an opportunity um, if you're still alive and you're still breathing for things to change. Um, and I think that change in perspective was huge 
for me. I don't like I had I mean I am a first child, but I had such very rigid specific ways that I thought next steps were going to look like. And so when they didn't happen, I thought that I missed the mark and I failed. But I didn't fail and I didn't miss the mark, you know. I still underlying whatever that goal was, I was able to achieve that or I did do that and so now I think for a long time it really took me a while to get used to the fact that I physically wasn't going to live on the continent or that I wasn't actually living on the continent during that time and I'm like oh my god and I'm now I'm just kind of like whatever that'll happen in the time that it's supposed to happen but that that space or being in this specific space and location um, psychologically, mentally, <laughs> physically, is allowing me to grow and build in really different ways and also build towards that if that's what's meant for me later on. But really just kind of build in a way that I think is allows me to kind of own what I've been doing. Um, ever since I was a child, like from I think the time when, you know, you could stay outside past your parents watching you, um, I we started traveling a lot as a family and we were always traveling to other family. And so I think that kind of gave me this like way of, I live here like sometimes, but I'm more connected to and attached to other places. And so I'll kind of like those specific places, I'll list them out in different episodes and they'll each get their own. Um, but I think what that taught me from a young age was that's kind of what makes the most sense. And, and I still have continued to do that in a lot of different ways. There's various cities um, and places and people and, you know, connections that I'm very attached to in a home type of way um, that I've continued to go, go back multiple times. Now, at this point, I think London is a city where I will definitely at least try to go to Inshallah, like um, at least you know, pretty, like, every other year or something like that, because that's, you know, that's now, like, um, it's a part of, so that's a home of mine, I guess, and I'll definitely give London its own episode, but I, London is, like, a city where I had, like, very strong, like, growing moments, and so it'll be on the roster, although I got, spent a lot of, like, my 20s, my late teens, really kind of running up and back and forth, going to different places. At one point, I just stopped traveling. And I was like, I think I'm definitely using this, like, traveling as, like, um, a way to escape, you know, my current reality. Um, and I just kind of, like, you know, you know, because it got to a point where it was literally, I was, like, I was in Canada multiple times a year, and I was just, like, I don't I'm not even a Canadian citizen. Um, but... Um, and then I was like, what am I doing? And then I stopped. But I think now the traveling is not just an escapism thing. It is definitely in some ways. Um, but I think it's also why Ara gets experience. It's ways to kind of um, embrace different notions of living, different ways of existing. And now I really appreciate taking relaxing vacations. Although I'm definitely somebody when I travel, I like to really just kind of check out what's, what does it feel like to be in that place? Um, like, what is something unique that I can only get there? You know, like, how is this space going to be different to me than other places that I've been to? And that's also, like, been its own kind of, like, growing experience. Like, now I'm like, you know, like, I don't really care much for the sightseeing of 
these are these buildings, which is like definitely what I used to do in Europe back in the days. Um, but all of that also, I think, has allowed to see the ways in which there's a lot of similarities. I was listening to the East Africa episode that I just did. Um, there's a lot of similarities that we all have as people or people of like various cultures that are very similar. So you can find similar things in different places. It might have its own unique twist to it, but it might be a little bit familiar and a little bit um, like resemble something else that I've seen or experienced. And so that's also just like a really cool way of seeing how we all are still connected at the end of the day. And so when this comes to this diaspora conversation, um, there's a few things that I'd like to kind of um, share or kind of talk about in regards to that. So I think one of the like craziest, like one of the craziest things to me, um, as I'm accepting like how I'm getting older and evolving and changing and stuff like that, is to like, A, I guess just kind of realize like, whoa, you know, like, uh, you know, being able to like, visually see the growth like when I started this podcast I thought it would be 10 episodes I was like I don't really have that much to say I'm just gonna you know really kind of focus on um kind of walking or freezing my experiences and then you know kind of move on to the next thing and so the one major lesson that I've gained in the past couple of years is not to underestimate time how much time it takes to do something, how much time it takes to process things, how much time it takes to evolve, how much time it takes, you know, to really kind of even understand or grow through whatever you're going through. Um, and so now I think like to me, Isidka is kind of a lot different than when I first started. Um, the, the homeland is very important and I think it's, an important place to kind of still have a connection to, but not necessarily in the ways that I thought I would. Um, young Amina was like, I need to, you know, live in Africa, do a couple years on the continent. And at that and at like at that age. And so now I realize why people kind of go mid-career or after they've had a strong amount of experience in the West or wherever their like host or home countries are, because then you can leverage um, a lot more and I think the maturity is also just very important if that's <laughs> um but also with that now I am like okay I'm not that same young person that went to Hargeisa that like literally I learned Somali like by being so stubborn and even to this day like when I Everything I'm doing is like, there's a level of stubbornness in it. But it's not stubbornness like, I'm just going to die on this hill. Although there are a couple of hills that I'm willing to die on in this context. But it's a, a, like a stubbornness of you don't need people to define you or you don't need people to give you permission to do things. And I think like when it comes to this diaspora space, the diaspora belongs to everybody. I think the homeland belongs to everybody too, but that's a different conversation. But the connection to culture, identity, belonging, language, cultural heritage, people that you come from, that's definitely yours. That belongs to everybody. The respectability politics, which is not really respectability politics. It's more like, you know, like Al-Qa'asa said, So when he's like, it, who has rights to the land? Who has rights to the culture? 
don't let people it's really gatekeeping that's what the word is oh i was born here but you know i grew up abroad since i came back so akahiga like it just oh, i was born in the diaspora but the homeland is still my country you might know different things than me that's cool i know different things than you as well diversity of thought diversity of experience will make us all better and allow us all to have space and i'm just kind of like when is that when is that kind of like gatekeeping going to end and i don't think it is i think it's just a matter of people's insecurities that they're projecting out um and that will never go away but now like a couple years ago i would have been mad and gone on a whole rant and like and then really told them about themselves but now i'm just kind of like all right cool if you think that's what legitimizes you you go about your life you know and i'll go about my life and do whatever i want to do or am going to do and the only reason i'm sharing this publicly is because i think the gatekeeping and the respectability politics like there's a lot of power that is being utilized to kind of keep people out and, or also control the ways in which people engage and i think that that is something that like from the time i wrote my master's thesis that was the underlying theme any type of othering any type of way of trying to disregard somebody's experience their intelligence um there we know what Hamisha let money on basically to do something different any way of delegitimizing that is because they're threatened by your power and what you have and so even back then when i wrote my master's thesis i was like you know the emphasis really should be on culture because that will be a way to connect the diaspora and local like you know raised youth um you know within this somali context within this somali identity And so now to see I am like so amazed every time I spend a lot of time on TikTok. But every time I go on TikTok and everybody's like there's a lot of young people that are really connecting to Somali music. Um Soldan Serrat is doing a show in 10 days in Toronto and his advertising to me is really interesting. It's interesting that as one of the biggest Somali artists the way he advertises in a very um in a very like kind of public or like western like he advertises his shows like we all don't know his shows happen it's so interesting because he's like one of the biggest artists and the fact that he actually does like market they his team they do the marketing groundwork um is so fascinating to me um but i wonder if it works i mean either way um i'm sure people come out and he'll put on a good show but outside of the marketing of sultan said because i feel like sultan is like the first artist everybody goes went to and it, and then like and that's like the most accessible to like the diaspora raised you I don't know Sultan got bangers but it's really cool just to kind of see um how that everyone that people young people are paying attention to Somali music I don't know when I was their age I did not care at all um but the accessibility now with YouTube and things like that with social media it's so much easier to be connected even what's going back home even physically being connected to the country so many more people are are able to travel back and forth and share their experiences and so there's a strong sense of like somali pride in a way um that exists and the you know like mogadishu is getting stronger it's building up it's it's all the major cities like really within the horn are also strengthening their infrastructure their economies you know do kabila chanka then you know globalization is real um so it's a bit more accessible 
um, in a lot of ways. And so that's also really good to see because I think with that exchange of experience, of thought, but also the fact that there's just a pride, you know? Like I think that that, that we're owning as this post-war generation is also really important um, and really great to see. And so um, another thing I wanted to say was about my diaspora experience. Um, I don't know. I think that, oh, so a quick reflection. So it's been next month, August. Wow. Um, next month, August will be three years since I've been doing this podcast. And from the beginning to now, I think I have definitely, um, I've definitely noticed a lot of changes. I just feel like I've grown so much from the first season. Now, as opposed, I think back then, and a lot of what my experience was when I went to the country, was I was expecting to gain something, like people to give me something on a nice, you know, plate, um, you know, curate, like, you know, kind of... um, curated really nicely like you know like the bris would be in a perfect circle here and then the hilib would be perfectly like sheila on this side <laughs> if you've been back home you know that is not at all um oh, what you know your plate's gonna look like but i think now more so than that is um is now i'm not expecting anything or is now I don't need to be given anything. Now, I'm definitely kind of like intrinsically the person who I am is very curious and I'm going to do all the research. And so I I really appreciate the different avenues in which I've been able to do research, to come across archival footage, to kind of utilize music and pair that up with like historical information, kind of, you know, play around with what exists and then create something that is appealing to me, is interesting to me, or that I like to see. And that, I think, is intrinsically, like, who I've always been as a person, as a, you know, the like, as a diaspora person, you know, like, always being that bridge, that connector, but then always putting my flair on things. And the diaspora allows for the flair to be put on things unapologetically. So I'd like to reiterate that again, that being of a diaspora allows you to mix different cultures, different... Um, different everything, different norms, different cultures, different languages, different ways of expression, you know, in a way that makes sense to you. And I think, you know, the same is acceptable back home, but I think there's just stricter rules uh, back home based on, you know, if you're from the land and w- as well. Like the idea of that Krupachokta or these outside forces are bringing all these things to us is like so silly when we literally, like, Mogadishu is on the Indian Ocean trade route, you know? Like, people have been brought back and forth. Like, spices, so much, like, so much, like, you can see the diversity of Mogadishu once you go there, or even if you look at it online. Um, like, you can tell not everyone are, you know, indigenous inhabitants of that land, that there is a lot of diversity in culture and architecture and how people, like, live how people like talk to each other and so this otherization or like the way of like trying to banish people that were born abroad even though they are somali it's just kind of like 
I'm like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> to each his own is all I have to say about that. But I'm just kind of like, that's just don't. That's just a modern day tactic, right? Like, it's uh, there's a new game that's being played at the moment, so don't let that deter you. Um, but I have to say that in all of this time, I think the one thing that I've learned is that from my perspective as somebody who was born here and very much raised with this notion of Somali identity that is very constrictive in some ways, um, is very rigid in the sense of it was always in direct opposition of American culture. So if American culture was freeing, Somali culture is not. And that is also the biggest lie. Somali culture is not freeing in a lot of ways like but it also is freeing in a lot of different ways from american culture and so that's in terms of how you relate to other people what community looks like um and how you can engage and banter i think like you know yeah so at this point um within isirka so i have three Insta- well i have two isirka related instagrams so for music i have isir music and that also, I think, like I started in the summer um, a few years ago as well. And with that Instagram, I've really noticed that it's been, it was a great outlet or it has, it is a great outlet. It has been. I really appreciate TikTok because now I just press one button and I can share. But the diversity in music, like, or diversity in who's consuming the music, I guess. Like, so I can go and repost the video of somebody back home listening to Karami music. And, like, you know, they're also, like, in an empty, like, part of, like, you know, Magarala Bananquisa or Kale. Um, and really just, you know, like, to me, that's the most intrinsic Somali way um, of, yeah. That's the most intrinsic Somali thing ever. Karami music, a coven outside, on uh, our you know jamming to music then you have like you know the tiktok girlies like jamming to a somali song um and then there's also <laughs> and and everything in between you know uh, and so with that it's kind of reiterating or something you know there's not one version of what this somali nimo looks like even there's like this one dude who's tatted and he always posts a video of himself listening to somali songs so i'll post them there in between you know, the heel back home on the coven. And then you have the hammer girls always like she had this shot of shutting down a party, like really enjoying a wedding styled out, like, you know, dressed to the nines. So it's kind of in a way that we are all consuming the same thing, but putting our own twist on it, you know? Um, and I think that's really beautiful um, and really important to see um, and recognize that this is something this cultural heritage is something that we all have access to and we all like can touch and engage with in ways that we would like um and i think that will be the most freeing thing about the diaspora it's not the hoya abba's rules uh, um when we were younger of like the hishad it's really actually amazing to see where we've come as a people within like 15 years like um especially with social media just like the openness um of various social topics and issues and ways in which we are able to talk about them within a cultural lens um not like it has to be an outsider type of thing and then isirka isirka is the podcast um the podcast's instagram and so that i've really enjoyed the archival footage the footage of somalis before the war because that is 
is amazing to see. Also, like, the joy, um, the diversity in ways in which people express themselves. I think, honestly, my two favorites are Wadani songs and love songs, and they both are expressed with so much passion. And it, alongside the archival footage, a lot of times that is around, like, Wadani Nimor, like, statehood or, pot, like, um, various state celebrations or things like that or, like, state history – that is amazing just to kind of see how much people loved um, Somalia, the country, like the hopes that people had for the future. I think um, now it's definitely like within the regional or the federalist states, if that's what they actually are, I don't know. Um, but the songs that are... The songs that are done now are just kind of like, I mean, some of them bang, I'm not going to lie. I love me a Somaliland song because they have the same old school spirit that, you know, Somalis like during Doludi Hore, like Doludi Kaanka had. Um, so I'm always here for a Somaliland song. Um, but the songs now are just kind of, uh, yeah, the, the, the other statehood songs, I'm just kind of like, mm, whatever. But, um, it's, yeah, I think looking back on kind of what was, I'm like, oh. So with that said, then I think it's kind of like a natural or an important or just a natural next step to kind of like the homeland politics and development and social affairs. Like, that's a lot for somebody that doesn't live there. So I think kind of owning this like space in the diaspora, uh, I think I finally have accepted it basically long long story short <laughs> after all these years i'm just owning the diaspora so when they say uh like i've also with, so with the commentary around do you blah like with the commentary the gatekeeping or just the projection of like engagement with the culture and the language and etc cetera, etc cetera, now it's turned from now it's just turned into wonder like how did you this american born um, and I think that it's my answer to that simply is that it's it's mine at the end of the day. You know, it's like I think I realized very early my mom during her episode stated that she would make us speak Somali when we were younger because she wanted us to be able to go back home and buy things. But I think most importantly, to be able to speak to her mother and her family members, you know, like and I think if within one generation if that connection is already um it was important like if i didn't want to lose that connection that fast um and then now even my last trip in hargeisa was really interesting because i me and my um me and my cousin we went to the souk together and we spent a couple hours together and we finally had a middle ground and this was somebody who when i first got there our worlds were so polar opposites. Like, we couldn't find anything to talk about. And then we had both kind of matured a bit. Um, we had gotten a bit older. I was kind of a, a lot more familiar with so Somali music and culture and things like that and the country. And um, and we literally went to the suit wearing, like, similar outfits. Um, and then we talked about, you know, like, music that we both liked. And then we talked about we were able to have a conversations and and that last trip made me realize that I'm in some ways I'm kind of glad that I allow that I still kind of continue to come back as opposed to because if you knew me back then 
every year I left, I would say, oh, I'm not coming back. I'll just see you, you know, for the last summer I had, like, a big engagement. And um, I still did for some reason. And then at some point I realized that it was an experience or something I had to just write out, you know, like, completely go through. And, um, and I remember always saying that to my cousin. I'm just like, let me just write out the experience. She's like, you should go to West Africa. I'm like, I'm not ready for that right now. Now... I'm like, where are we trying to go? You know, um, <laughs> I'm ready to go everywhere. But I'm glad going back to that issue, that notion of time. I'm someone who's very, very impatient. But I'm glad that I gave that experience the time that it needed. But also then on the opposite end now, the time to process. Because now I can think of other things. Um, and there's other space. And there's space to think of other things. Which kind of leads me to what I was started off this um, podcast season with. Uh, Isirka is going to be outside. Um, also, quickly, before I even get to that. So this Isirka out, is outside. It does have another name. But the idea is also to kind of bring pieces of home to the diaspora. And meet the diaspora where they're at. Um, but also have celebrate, have an appreciation and a celebration for the culture, identity, the homeland. All of these things at in our actual home, you know, in our starting point in the diaspora. Um, and I would just like to say before I end off this episode that I think it's also, although I spoke about the stubbornness in the beginning, I still always really had people in my corner that always kind of um, told me to uh, keep pursuing what I was doing. Um, and I think that's really important that as much as there is a lot of gatekeeping and it's easy to focus on like the negativity aspect of people being in your face and stuff like that, there's always still a bunch of people um, that'll show love and help you out along the way. And that was like my main entry point, like from even, I will have a lot of complaints about Hargeisa, but at the same time, I mean, it's just like an adjustment, like growing pains. But also there, like, there was a lot of really like great connections that I made that I still appreciate to this day. And we still kind of keep in touch. Um, And that's what kind of, um that's what allowed me to that's what made me yeah it like spaces where it was comfortable and inviting um and pleasant to be honest uh, <laughs> were definitely like the spaces and the places that kind of made it okay there's a little piece of here that I can make my own you know um and like even to this day that like that kind of um that Diri Galin, like, I guess, um, I don't know, I keep forgetting English, but that um, support and, you know, and encouragement um, has, you know, has, 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 has allowed, like, is appreciated, so, but still to this day, that, like, encouragement and support is still, like, continuous and it's still there, and so um, I'm very appreciative for that, and so, um, to anyone listening, if you are in the Midwest, um, then inshallah, look out. Well, first of all, check out isirka.com. Um, there's a tab on there, isirka2023. So if you live in the Midwest of the United States of America, then maybe we'll see each other this summer or this fall, um, inshallah. And so take care, um, enjoy your summer, and Catch you on the next episode. <laughs>